Welcome to the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi, Superman, prequel, series, Krypton. I am your host, Michelle, and with me, as always, is Lacey. Hey, everybody. What a lot of stuff we have to talk about. So much stuff, because, again, what? we suck and didn't do an re- episode last week. I take full responsibility for this, as I have 75 jobs. So... We were going to actually record <laughs> last week, last night, and then somebody, it was Andy, I'll just call him out, was like, um, you don't think that's insane, like two episodes in two days? And I'm like, no. But then I thought about it, and I was like, probably. I mean, we thought it was probably, like, you know, just. It's a lot. That's a lot of us in a short. Completely it's- logical, but we thought you guys might not want to listen to two episodes back to back like that. So, here we are. So, you know, here we are. And so. The penultimate episode, so last week's episode, uh, was basically, you know, the big battle with Doomsday. Doomsday is on Wegthor, and the crew's got to work it out. (laughs) And unfortunately, we lost a very important member of our team. Moment of silence for Kem. Poor one out, guys. So, I can't decide if I was shocked that that happened or not. I wasn't shocked that it happened. Like, as much as I liked Kem, he felt like about the right level for them to kill off someone that was, it would matter, but it wouldn't be like killing Lyda again, you know? Right. I was taken aback by how really unnecessarily graphic it was i did not i did not need to see kem's head like literally explode that was that was uh, oof that was a lot yeah yeah that was a lot i think too there was a part of me that like went into that episode thinking like how are they gonna pull this off because obviously and they say it, you know, and Adam says it, like he only has ever known one person that's been able to beat Doomsday. And Doomsday is this unstoppable creature. So it's like, it would have been unrealistic or whatever happened to be like, everyone survived and he's got taken down. Like it would have sort of taken away from the, the epicness of this character. You know, if, if this bunch of people who are not super in any way are able to stop him, you know, then what makes it so special when Superman is finally able to do it later on in the future? Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think I definitely was like, well, obviously, like, some carnage is going to go down here. And I thought the way they did it was very well done. Like it was one of those things where like they didn't really stop him. They were like, okay, we're just going to run, but someone has to stay behind to kind of distract him and keep him and, you know, like lock him in this, in this cave. Um, Set the bomb off. Yeah. Set the bomb off. And so I like, I think Kem was like you said, like the kind of perfect character for that. Um, He definitely like, obviously in season one, served a very large purpose in this season there was a little bit of a like you know what is really like the trajectory here like where does he go from here um you know he's already gained everyone's respect and and he's sort of you know come to this place where like what else do you kind of do with this character and so he does 
fit the mold of like the person who should make the sacrifice. Yeah. But it was devastating. I mean, talk about a memorable way to go out. Oof. And then having like, you know, having the whole thing where like Seg is like, no, I'm going to stay behind. And he's like, no, you have to go like, you know, for obvious reasons. And like having Seg have to tell everybody that he didn't make it in the following episode, like just, oh God, like all of that. And the whole thing with like Val, you know, saying like, Kem will be remembered, you know, as, as an L essentially, you know, as his brother to Seg L, you know, he was part of our family. Like all of that was just so, oh, it was so emotional. It was more emotional for me, I think, than when I thought Lida died. Yeah, I think, well, maybe it was because we got to see a lot more of sort of, not the fallout, but like people really like taking a minute outside of everything else that's going on to sort of process a loss. And there was so much other stuff happening in the in the sort of aftermath of the Lida, air quotes, death that maybe there wasn't time for that. I don't know. Maybe it was just because for the first time in a really long time, it felt to me like they had, because I, I think one of, I think this, the Seg and Kem friendship was really important when the show started, but due to other factors, one of which was the arrival of Adam and, and him going to, Seg going to the Phantom Zone and them going to another planet, like that kind of drifted apart. But right at the end here for Kem, you get reminded like how big a part of each other's lives they were. Right. For, for a time that, you know, extended well back before the, sh- the, the, what we're seeing in the show existed. Right. And it was, I mean, it was like, like you said, it was also like really graphic. So like to sort of see this character who's very, he is pretty loved, you know, like you love Kem, like he's such a great character to just be ripped apart that way is like, oh, like just, yeah, brutal. Yeah, like low key, Kem is not a warrior, right? right? He's not supposed to have a death like that, you know? Like other, not that I'm, I'm literally like knocking on my nightstand right now, like not that I want anything similarly terrible to happen to someone like Dev or Jaina, but like they're, they're fighters who know what could happen to them on any given day in, in the life that they've chose for themselves, but like that isn't the path that he picked. And it, that, maybe that's why it seems so especially like horrifying that that's how he, that that's how he died. Right. Yeah. I just, Oh God. It was, that was definitely like the big hit of the season. I think like just really knocked, like really I was just like oh my god like this was really rough and like you said we actually got to see and we all got to see them mourn as a group as like a large group I think part of the the lighter thing too was that everybody was sort of fractioned off you know like fractured off in these little smaller groups so like you got to see their reaction to it but this was like everyone together reacting to the chem news um so I think that that sort of made it a little different too uh, speaking of warriors, though, the one other thing I have to make sure to give a shout out to from last week's episode before we delve into the many, many things we have to talk about from the finale is, oh my gosh, that scene where Nyssa is just fighting her way through an army of people. Oh, I, I stand 
so I much. She is, she is related to Cars or Elf somehow because I just I just see it so much right there. I was I was yelling. And as as always, you know, this show has always done very well by its female characters. Um, you know, like on the whole and overall, like they we've said this from season one, like they've always just really written them well and given them such agency and giving them their own power. Like no one's ever getting saved or any of that nonsense. Like every single woman on this show can absolutely save herself at any given time without question. Like if there is an assist from a man, that's great, but it's not ever really necessary um, which is part of the reason why I think we love every single one of the female characters on this show. So like having Nissa have that moment and then Jaina had a moment in this last episode in, in the finale when, you know, Lyda and Seg are sort of confronting Drew, but she's sort of leading the troops to battle and she's got this like giant cannon and she's just like shooting people. And I, I was watching that scene and I was like, man, I am a Jaina Zod stand for life. Like I just, she, I mean, last season she was like, we came out out the end of that season with her being probably my favorite character in terms of like growth and just story arc. And like, I've, I've talked about it a lot. I've written about it and I've talked about it on the podcast, like the, the character growth on her, her specifically, I think more so than anyone on the show, except maybe Nyssa has is just like astronomical and it's just it it's never felt forced or rushed or it's always just felt organic and natural and just to think of who she was in the beginning think of who she was in like the zod episode in season one and where she is now and how she got there is just you know there there's that scene with her and lyda when light is sort of sick and she you know they have this bonding moment that was like oh my god it was just something you would never imagine you in season one you would ever see these two characters have you know just the way it's been done and the way it's been written i can't praise it enough because i just think it's just been so well done and i just like jane azad for life lover do you think um shifting gears a little bit to the finale because i suspect that's what anyone who's listening to this actually wants to hear about instead of the episode we should have done last week but <laughs> but um I do think the finale, particularly to your point of what you were just saying about how it handles women, really did right by everybody in almost every aspect, which is all I really could have asked for it. And of course, the most important thing, which is if you were on Twitter tonight, you've already seen me tweet this. We all know it's coming. I'm so happy that Jorel is not like sleeping on a rock or <laughs> a dirty corner in Brainiac's skull ship, which is clearly not baby-proofed and very unhygienic, but at least he has a crib with a little blanket. It's got some kind of protective shielding around it, so I guess he's not going to accidentally light himself on fire crawling around in this, like, hell dirt pit. So I'm very relieved about that, and thank you, show, for addressing this (laughs) important plot point. I was really concerned. I've been very concerned all season. Sure. Yes, I was happy that there was a part of me that was wondering if we were just not going to see them at all. Like, I was like, are we not going to No, we're not going to see them at all. And then we got, of course, that little tag on the end, which was great. Um, I guess since we're talking about them, we should talk about that. Uh, so obviously, you know, Jor-El is in his little whatever weird crib on the skull ship that is headed for Earth. I mean, 
realistically, is there any other planet that evil people can take their ships to? <laughs> Apparently, Earth is just the most sought after planet in the galaxy, which I don't, I just, I kind of don't really understand, guys. Like, I live here and I don't. Not great right now. I'm, it's really not great right now. Um, I mean, unless you're coming to, like, extract some folks, because I have a list of people yeah. you take with you on the skull ship. Maybe do a little climate fixing something, to Yeah. It. Other than that, I feel like there's got to be, I don't know, somebody with a Maybe little... Maybe Brainiac could bottle the entire planet and fix our ozone layer. I mean, that's, that feels as good as a solution to anything as anything else. I, I mean, I really think that's kind of the way to go at this point. But I do, I'm excited. Like, I don't, I was talking to, um, I was talking to Andrew, Andy earlier today, actually on, on Facebook messenger. And he was, was lamenting something that I'm sure many of us are, are doing today, which is where is our, where's our season three renewal sci-fi? Um, come on seriously where is it and he was speculating all these theories about what the whole earth thing could mean and i'm mentioning that i talked to him specifically because i want to credit him with this idea if it comes true because i think it's a really good one that somehow going to earth like door door will somehow like grow up on the ship because it's going to take them a long time to get to Earth. I question whether or not he didn't have some sort of like warp drive, but then that's me mixing my fandom. So what what do I know? Once again, I don't understand the science of Krypton. <laughs> it, uh, I thought I thought that might be extremely interesting. I also took it as validation that we're right. The timeline is definitely not the same anymore. Maybe <laughs> maybe Jor will go be Superman. Or, yeah, so or, there is, I'm almost positive, and I'm not the comic book expert, and actually I would love to see if I could get my friend Russ to come chat with us, because he is the comic book expert. Oh gosh, that's what we need, book that. Um, I'm fairly certain that there is a comic, it may just be like one, a one-off or an Elseworlds, but I'm almost positive there is a comic in which Jor-El goes to Earth and is Superman. Um, like, I'm almost like, I'm almost like 100% positive that that's a thing. I could be making that up in my head, but I, I'm like pretty positive that that's a thing. Uh, so I'm intrigued if that's sort of where they're going with it. I thought that too when I was watching the finale. Is like, ooh, are we going to get some sort of future version of Jor-El next season who maybe time travels, who grew up on Earth and is Superman? And, like, Cal doesn't exist kind of thing. Like, that's an interesting story plot to me. Yeah, like, somehow the timeline has kind of reverted to the mean, but not quite. Like, there's a Superman, it's just not Cal. Right. And that would be, that would be really cool. Like, I think that that's definitely, like, a, a really interesting storyline to explore. Um, and that made me super excited. The other thing that made me super excited in the finale was so like Nissa steals the Zeta beam from Adam. And she's convinced that just by taking the Zeta beam, it's going to immediately 
send her exactly where she wants to go. And I was kind of like, oh, oh, girl. Part of this entire experience, like, led her to believe that this was the case. That part, I was a little like, what? Right. Sure. Yeah. I think she was just sort of hoping that she would end up, she was hoping she'd end up on Rand so that she could ask, what's his name? Who's name is escaping me at the moment i guess how to find brainiac like how to use the data to be able to find brainiac i'm, I'm assuming that's sort of her plan like I but she's like not the- she's not realizing that it's sort of like because she doesn't really know how to use it like adam knows how to use it and so adam was able to travel to a specific point in time in a specific place like she's just randomly taking the remote and hitting a button on it like so like acting like it was redial or something on the phone. Right. Right. And it's like, <laughs> it doesn't exactly work that way. And there was a part of me that felt like, I felt like Nissa would be a little bit more intelligent than to do that. Like, I feel like she would go to Val and be like, Hey, Adam has this Zeta beam. And I think it could maybe like take me to my kid. Can we work it out instead of just randomly hitting a button on it and just going somewhere. But Whatever, that's neither here nor there, because holy shit, I'm pretty sure she's on Thanagar. I had to Google hawk people to determine, as as we all know, Lacey is not the comic person here. So I was like, I Googled, where do the hawk people live? And let me tell you, I got a variety of responses before I figured out that that is in fact the planet on which they live. Be careful with your Google search terms is what I'm saying. If you will get some weird shit. (laughs) So one of the things, so it's funny, speaking of Andy, Andy and I also were having a separate conversation because Andy and I had both watched the finale before Lacey did. So we didn't want to have it in our group chat until she had watched the episode. So Andy and I were having a separate conversation because under the hope that we were going to do an episode on on last week's and I don't want to watch it till I, till I talked about last week's, but Right. Oh, well, so I watched it and then yelled at them both after. Right. Um, so when Andy and I were talking, he had said to me, he was like, I want to ask you a question. He's like, where do you think she is? And I was like, I, I assume she's on Thanagar. He, his confusion comes from the fact that there is um, the Omega symbol there. Um, and Cameron Welsh has expressed the before season one happened and before season two happened, that he wants to have the like the hawk people, the hawk man and hawk woman on the show at some point. He's also talked about the Omega Men, so we're it's kind. I'm I'm just curious, like if he's right. Maybe it's not not Thanagar. I'm not sure. Like I think it's Thanagar because we saw all the hawk people flying above her, um, and because I know that that's a character that Cameron really wanted to bring into the show. And wanted to bring the character in the first season, but it just didn't fit into the storyline. So I lean towards Thanagar because that means Hawk people. And I know that that's a character that we've been promised we will see. Um, So I think that that's where she is. But listeners, if you have any thoughts, uh, email us and tell us what you think. If you if you definitely think that's where she is, if you have further evidence to support some theory like let us know like if there was something that we missed quickly it's totally possible um russ who i was talking about before my friend russ actually gave me the idea that he wonders if nissa will end up being some version of or in krypton's lore the original hawk woman i would be so about that and i was like oh 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> and it is. It has great lighting. Nissa looks amazing. Like, even more amazing than normal. That's, like, the greatest lighting the show has seen all season. So I'm here for that. I also agree with you that I think it's... Uh, while I was while I was on Twitter tonight, I, I saw a lot of people who, who were similarly conflicted or... or because I immediately thought it was the Hawk, the Hawk People planet, or just the introduction of the Hawk People. I didn't actually know they had their own planet until I googled that whole adventure. But I, I had assumed it was the Hawk People because, like you, I had read some interviews that that was definitely something that they wanted to add into the show, and that was something that might come up this season, and it just hadn't yet. And I was like, well, that makes the most sense to me but a lot of people on twitter were super convinced they were parademons and this is the planet that um uh shoot dark, oh uh dark side dark side lives dark, side, dark side yeah yeah this was that was a that was a very like strong sentiment on on Twitter tonight, I saw a lot of people yelling about that and a lot of people yelling about the Hawk people. But I think, oh. that, I think that the Hawk planet is correct. That's interesting. I did not even think about that. That's There's definitely a solid... That, that's a solid thought process as well. Like I said, my my Hawk thing, like like you just reiterated, is because we've been... It's been talked about. Well, that's and why I, yeah. it just looks more like human type people with wings wings yeah the parademons monstery like large net things right like flying monkeys yeah um also like in further evidence to support that it is thanagar if we're if we're going by sort of a you know the comic the comic origins they're part of adam's backstory um exists within like Adam sort of rises to like a certain status on Ran when during the Ran Thanagar war. So there's a history that exists there between Ran and Thanagar where they had like a war, a big war, and like Adam was a part of that. So you know there's always like a tie-in there as well. Which is I think why Cameron selected you know, those two sort of sets of characters because they do interchange and there's there's some history and backstory there to draw from. And it also sort of makes sense that, like, Adam gets a jetpack and all of a sudden we're visiting a planet where people can fly. Right. And, oh my God, since you just mentioned Adam and his jetpack. I actually weeped. Like, are, are you tears. Okay. When I saw the photographs, like I got really, really misty eyed and began weeping because so excited to see Adam in his jetpack suit. And the way that it was done on the show. Oh, my God. I loved it. Loved I it. thought it was so smart the way that they worked in an organic reason for him to have it and not just a. a oh, I found this cool piece of old-timey tech or something. It's a jetpack. Weird. But it, it exists because there's an in-story reason for him to have it. And it's, yes, it's sort of fan that because they know that everyone wants 
to see him with the jetpack and in the suit and all of that stuff, but it doesn't feel like they gave it to him simply because they were like, well, we got to ticky this box on like, he's Adam strange. So he has to have all these things, but they made it make sense in the story, in the story they were telling. And I thought Val doing that for him was a super, just great affecting emotional moment. And especially like the lead up to it, right? Like the fact that like all season long, like Adam has sort of become more a part of the fabric of this culture and the, and these people. And he gets to this point where he's really fighting side by side with them for them. And he has no ulterior motive other than I care about these people and I'm going to help them. So like Adam organically comes to this place and then in doing so he becomes injured in, and you know, Val seeing like, wow, you risked your life to save me. Just all of that, how that just organically, it just makes sense. And it, and it feels comfortable and it feels right and it feels real within the story for all of that to happen you know and even that conversation where he says you know like when adam tells him like where he comes from and the type of life that he's had and when he says you know like this has become my home you people you guys have become my family like it just it feels right and it makes sense it also makes sense like we were talking about before with the loss of chem losing chem not that adam replaces him but there is this sort of like familial void, I guess that's left by Kem's loss that Adam sort of fills. And so you don't have like a lot of times on TV shows, you have like similar characters that do similar things. And I, I always sort of feel like one of them is not necessary. You know, like we, yeah. we've talked about this before. Like, I think I talked about this on the Batwoman podcast. Like, last season on the flash having like Sherlock and Ralph was like, why would you have two characters that essentially do the same thing? You know, like you're taking one, one is sort of taking away from another. So like you, like you said before, like as the, as the story has progressed and Adam has sort of become like the sidekick or best friend of, of Seg, you know, it's sort of, puts Kem in this position where he's not he they're basically kind of the same so you have to remove one from the story it just makes the story better um and so I think all of those things really happened like organically and within the within story they all make sense and Adam getting his jetpack and oh I just loved it so much I loved that he was wearing his jetpack while drunk which is such an Adam strange thing to do (laughs) I can fly (laughs) bitchy I that. Also, please protect drunk base grandpa at all costs. Oh my god. I love him so much and I'm afraid he's gonna like fall down and break a hip or something. Yes. Please everybody watch out for drunk space grandpa. I also that was like a, such a weird moment though too because I was kind of like wait what where did this just come from what just happened why is everybody intoxicated what did I was there a scene I missed that I closed my eyes for a minute like what what just happened? And th- and then I loved how, like, also, again, like, organically within the story, like, Lobo shows back up at the end. And it, and it, again, it makes sense now for him to say, hey, I need your help, and this is how I'm going to get you to help me. You know, like, it wasn't one of those things that felt sort of weird or forced or, like, oh, this is awkward. Like, why is he here? It doesn't really make sense. It's like, oh, Brainiac has your kid. 
So if you help me find Brainiac, then we both get what we want. You get your kid back and I get Brainiac. Also, apparently Lobo has a large penis. I have to admit, at the risk of sounding like the old lady in the room, I could have maybe done without that. <laughs> it was a little extra. In, and maybe maybe I am just being like, like a little prudish about it because so much of the rest of the episode was very emotional and very heavy and maybe we needed to end it on, on a lighter note, but, but also I really could have gone the rest of my life and never known anything <laughs> junk and I would have been fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely agree that I did not necessarily need that information in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can concur. It was funny. It was, it was like the, it was, his whole sequence was very funny. Although part of me, I can't resist the urge to nitpick it a little bit because part of me felt like they, they tried to cram like every one of his catchphrases and things he said into like a two minute span. It was just very aggressive. Yes, I, I agree. It was a little weird. And I don't know, maybe they're trying to just remind us all that, like, they have have greenlit a Lobo show. Although, with the end of this episode, I don't... I, I have even less idea what that show <laughs> was like. Because prior to this, which very clearly sets up that, that next season, when it happens, I'm going to put it out into the universe that it's when, not if. You know, they're going to, Lobo and Seg and probably Adam, I assume, will will go off on this track to find Brainiac and get Dor back. But it feels weird to me, like, if, because I don't think that the Lobo show is something that's supposed to be tied quite, like, it's clearly, like, launching out of Krypton. But I don't know how closely tied to Krypton it's supposed to be, like, in an Arrowverse sort of way. Right. So I don't think that the Lobo show is going to be about them looking for Jor. But now I feel really weird about what the Lobo show is, unless it's just like a prequel of him bounty hunting things. I don't know. I, it, it muddied the water for me a little bit on that, because now I have even less idea what that show is, is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's one of those things, because like DC likes to do these strange wow. things. So I don't, I don't know that necessarily, like Cameron Welsh will do this with his two TV shows. But it's kind of like if you watch the shows on DC Universe. So apparently, the Doom Patrol show, which is the same actors and characters that appeared on Titans as the Doom Patrol are not the same. Oh, what? See, I've watched Doom Patrol, but I haven't watched... I, I love Doom Patrol, by the way. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. Doom Patrol is great. So, apparently... Team Titans. So, I didn't even know they were on Titans. So, there was... In the first season of Titans, there was this random, like, one-off episode. I mean, it wasn't, like, super random. It was how Gar becomes part of the Titans, because Beast Boy was, like, with the Doom Patrol. It's who he lived with, and then he ends up joining 
the Titans. Um, so there's like this one, it's like episode four or something. It's like this one off episode that's all about the Doom Patrol. And like they all end up at like the Doom Patrol house, the mansion, and like you get to see all the characters and they're all the char- it's the same set that's the characters from the TV show. It's Brendan Fraser's voice and all of that. Like, so it's weird because then like when you go to watch, like when I went to watch the show, it's I was like, oh, is this supposed to be like before they meet Garfield or it's obviously not after because it's their origin. Um, And then like, I guess at like a panel or something, they were like, oh no, it's a completely different continuity. And I was like, what? That okay that doesn't make any sense like i mean i do not accept that right like i was just like i don't but why like but just why would you i don't why like especially if the show takes place like long before titans then it's kind of just like a prequel because it's you know the beginning of them getting together so like you could go a couple seasons before you ever had to even address you know, Garfield and be like Beast Boy. Like it's it was and it was just really weird to me. I was like, oh, this is a strange choice. It's a choice. It's an odd one. So I don't know the point of that tangent. We'll be was like, separate. Right. Like will Lobo just like will the Lobo show be like a different version of Lobo paid by the same actor or will it be within continuity? I don't know. Um I kind of find that dumb. So I hope that's not the case. That's but nice. The point of us all watching all of these shows is that they should know we watch all of these shows. Right. And I mean, I don't necessarily care whether or not they're connected. Like it makes my life easier when they're not connected. Cause then I don't feel pressure to watch seven TV shows. Um, but it's weird to me that you would use the same actors and all of that and it not be the same continuity. That's strange for me. That would be like, if they took like, I don't know, like, the earth 32 versions of like Iris and Barry and made a TV show and used grant and, and canvas. Like, that's just weird. Why would you do that? Weird. So anyway, I kind of, I hope that's not what they do with Lobo, but that's, that was my little tangent on that. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Can we go back for a moment to my ship that I thought was sailing and has come to a halt and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I really was shipping Nissa and Seg hardcore. And there was this amazing moment where she says to him, she's the love of your life, isn't she? And he's like, why are you asking me this? And she's like, because I'm terrified you're the love of mine. And then just walks away. And I was like, oh, my God. I was very much that that gif of um, George Michael when he lays on the floor in Arrested Development. That was me. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, I was like, oh, my God. But then there was like it was very heavy Sagan Lita stuff for like the back, like the whole last two episodes. And so. I'm now I'm, we know. I feel some kind of way about it. I mean, part of me wants Lita to just meet like a really strapping, handsome winged man and live her life or woman or man and woman. This can have everyone. But I also really like them together and I don't feel like they, I mean, I don't want to be like, I, I sort of say I don't feel like they got closure, but I was like, then again, I don't think they ever had, I think there were hints that they might have gone that way romantically, but not enough that they needed to get closure. 
I'm making air quotes. Although right. I was a little annoyed that Nyssa was the only one in this whole episode to like sort of mention up until up until Seg asked Lobo about tracking down Brainiac, like nobody else was mentioning that this the baby napping situation. Right. I just think these people have the attention span of like small moths when it comes to this child. Like no one ever knows where he is or is looking for him or doing anything. Like get it together, people. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's weird. I mean, I get it. Babies on TV shows are hard, but, um, yeah, but they yeah, just, like they I just carry around a large blanket, and pretend it's a baby like every other show. Right. I also just, I know there was something so weird about the way that Lyda sort of treats the situation as if like, it's not a big deal. And I'm kind of like, there is a baby. He has a baby with someone else. Like you guys aren't just going to get to like, go off and live happily ever after. Like there's a baby. There's another mom. Like, I, I don't know. It just feels a little weird to me. If I had to pick like something, if I had to pick on something that's the thing I have to pick on. Like, I just, I'm not sure, like, I'm really fully on board with kind of how all of that stuff went down. Uh, my nitpick is sort of connected to this, but not quite. I do really, I, I will say something nice before I say something not nice. <laughs> I do think Georgina Campbell deserves so much praise this season especially the past two episodes for just the little choices she's making in her performance to sort of differentiate Lyda now, now that she's regular Lyda again from clone Lyda when we didn't know she was not real Lyda. Like, right. It's been like very well done and very subtle. I think she's done a really great job with all of this and she is an awesome actress. And so we should, Definitely take a second to like props for that because that's got to be very hard. And I think she's done really a fantastic job with with some occasionally like thankless material. And that said, I my my latest entry in my I wish we had ten more minutes to spend on the storyline is this. I get that Lyda is super upset that her son is a monster. And let's be clear, her son is 100% a monster. Um, I don't know that I have gotten to see enough of her sort of wrestling mentally with the realization that her son is a monster rather than just accepting the fact that he is. Like, we go straight, but maybe that's what happens when your son, like, kidnaps you and puts, like, a mind-altering plant up your nose or creature, whatever the Black Mercy is, categorically speaking. But I feel like there was a piece of this story in, in my head, anyway, that I had assumed would be Lyda kind of wrestling a little more with, like, what did I do to, like, what did future me do to, like, raise this horrible child? Like, what how did I impact like him turning out like this? Like, what did I do wrong? Like, why is he like this? Can he be not saved, but I guess sort of saved. I just feel like there was a big, very quick jump from her waking up and realizing what Drew had done to her 
to accepting that he's a lost cause. I don't know that I 100% buy that 180 completely. And I wish we had spent a little more time on her like emotional state over the fact that her son is a monster rather than, well, I guess it's time to tag team fight him with his dad. Even though that scene was cool. Yeah. General, do you care to step outside? Oh, that was awesome. Um, I agree. If I had to make a critique of this season and why I feel like maybe it is not, it's like a 9.8 out of 10 as opposed to a 10 out of 10 from the, as the first season. Cause to me, the first season was like perfect. I, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I don't in my mind. Um, I felt like in the first season, I never felt rushed in the first season and the 10 episodes felt like solid. Like I got told a solid story in 10 episodes and I never felt like I was missing something or something was being rushed or something was being skipped over. I did not feel that way a hundred percent of the time this season, this season, I felt like there was a lot that was crammed into the 10 episodes that either something should have been removed or there should have been maybe 12 episodes because like you just said, there's definitely beats and moments that like would have been focused on in season one that were not focused on in this at all. Like, yes, like you said, no one is disputing the fact that drew is a horrible monster who is beyond redemption. But the fact that as a mother, she doesn't wrestle with that at all is a little weird to me. Like, she's just like, no, we got to cut him off. Let's just go. And even like, I can even buy that 180. And this is being, God, this is going to sound, this is being super, probably like sexist or like assigning gender roles, but like I could buy it from Seg. I can't buy it from Lyda. I think part of it, the reason part of the reason for that is that we've seen her in season one repeatedly choose to to give him the benefit of the doubt when he didn't deserve it. Which again, I'm not even I don't even think I'm trying to say that she should have given him the benefit of the doubt here, because I think it's it is clear that he is beyond the the tragedy of this is that he is beyond help. But I would have liked to see for her character how she really like got to that point. And if the answer is he stuck a mind altering plant up her nose, then that's fine. But <laughs> right. I, I right. just it feels like it missed a step for me. Right. Well, and and there's there it's very odd that there's never a moment where she has like how did it turn out this way yeah like she never has like like you said maybe she maybe i could buy her a hundred percent being like oh my god my kid is is awful and we have to stop him but she never is there's never any like inflection about it like there's never there was never any like what did i do that made him like this like where was my parenting skills like so off that i made him like this lunatic who's trying to take over the entire universe. Like she never really has that. She's just like, Oh, we've got to like shut it down. We've got to stop him. Whatever we have to do, we have to do it. 
And it's weird because it's like she never takes any responsibility, I guess, for it. And that's what's kind of strange. Like, I imagine as a parent, you would take responsibility for the way your children behave. I don't even know if I think take responsibility is like the right word for it, because I don't necessarily feel like I want to put Lida as being 100% responsible for Drew's choices, which are all terrible. But I do think a certain level of not even it's it's for me it's not about like saying it's her fault or anything or her saying even thinking it's her fault it's just her reflecting on like how like what on earth could have happened for him to turn out like this right well right but that's what i'm saying like i'm not saying that i i think it is her fault he turned out like this but but as like a, a mother i imagine she would feel like it was her fault like she would say like, oh my God, what did I do so wrong? Or what, how did I allow this to get this far? You know, or, like. I see it more like, how did I fail him? Like, right, this. right. I feel like it would be a, a, a guilt thing. But we, we didn't get any of it. Like any version of what we just said, like none of that ever happened on screen, which was a little jarring and strange. Yeah. And the fact that like in that fight between Seg and Drew, like Lyda's main concern is for Seg, is also sort of strange to me. Like, yes, again, he is a monster, but he is your son. Like the whole time it's, mo- she, her, her, she's mostly just like, oh my God, Seg, are you okay? Like, it's always just Seg. And it's like, that's, but that is your kid. Like, and she, it's not until the end when like Seg is trying to choke him out that she's like, oh, okay, enough. Like, <laughs> You know, like, and I mean, I guess, I I mean, like, she sticks the Black Mercy on him. Like, that's how they lock him up. Like, so, yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's a beat they'll play next season. Like, maybe we see some sort of story in which Seg questions her about it. Like, how did you not, you know, how did you, like, just flip the switch so easily on our son? I mean, maybe that, I mean, I think we all know that there's no way he's staying in the Black Mercy dreamland forever. Right. Although I did think, I did find his, the the sort of, you know, 45 seconds we saw of his, his Black Mercy reality was really horribly sad. Oh my gosh, yes. Because, because it reminded me, do you remember back in season one when we would have regular sort of debates about whether or not we were all wrong about General Zod because he didn't seem to be like such mm-hmm. bad person and that really the, even that like very quick scene like really reminded me why we all thought that in the first place because, which I, I think has gotten a little lost this season as Zod has, has has gotten like crazier right more aggressive and more violent is is that there was a point where he didn't sound like a psychopath right where he just sounded like somebody who loved his people and loved his parents and wanted and wanted this life that he really desperately wanted this this life that he had never had and i it was so sad to me and i wish that we had and 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 since that is the reality he's living out like maybe we will come back to it at some point but i i it just reminded me so much of how I, i felt about him in the first season before this season, he just became like, well, somebody should shoot him in the head. Right. 
it humanized him. He was he said he became humanized again in that moment where you were like, oh right, like obviously something happened to him to make him the way that he is, you know. And and people make choices, and his choice was to you know go the wrong way. Um, but yeah, it reminds you that like at the heart of it, he's just like this little boy whose parents are effed up. Like, you know, in his version of reality, his father was never around. He had, you know, quote unquote died before he was born and his mother was devastated and never recovered it. Or, or genocided victims of genocide. Like, no, no, he says in the first season that Seg was bottled in Candor. He was lost in the bottling of Ka- of Candor. And oh, you're right. And you know that his mother never got over it and so you know you can imagine that the Lyda, the version of Lyda that he grew up with was maybe very much like the way Jaina was in in the beginning of season 1, you know, very stoic, very, you know, like unforgiving, not warm, not kind and particularly maternal. Right. And, you know, we, we, I mean, there was sort of some evidence for that because when he talks to Seg about how she was when they lost him to, you know, the Phantom Zone and he says, you know, she just was sort of getting like, you know, when he tells him I took away her empathy, even though that was clone Lyda, um, you know, this idea that like, you know, at that point he would have been a baby. So he wouldn't have seen the transition to the, the solid rigid person that she became, so I guess we we sort of got a little bit of that like explanation in that like yeah she was sort of losing it she wasn't really you know able to get over it and you know so I reconditioned her so obviously in his in his timeline of reality there was no adult version of him to recondition his mother so <laughs> Um, it's just interesting. It's like the dynamics are so interesting there, you know, and it's, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of just sad because he's just this little boy who grew up in an, in what seems like not a particularly loving, you know, environment with, without his father, you know, and, and always, you know, if you, if you wanted to go into like sort of the psychology of it, you know, a lot of people who don't grow up with a parent, they're always sort of, they idolize this parent, they put them on this pedestal and, you know, it's always about, wanting to not disappoint them or live up to them or make them proud. And that's something that, you know, he says in, in the dreamscape is he's like, in, or they say, we're so proud of you. So it's like, you know, he's, he's always been trying to just sort of get them to notice him essentially. And he just obviously does it the wrong way, but um, it, it does, it, it humanizes the character in a way that I don't think has ever really been done on screen. Yeah, and I felt that was an element that was sort of missing a little bit in in Drew's arc this year. And I don't know that I realized that until I saw his his dream life, which was wrong and sad and all of these things other than sort of wild rage and, and destruction, which is what I'd been thinking about in connection with him for most of the season. Right. Um, is it time to talk about how we're prophets and brilliant? Yes. I was just going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> the most exciting moment of the episode for me was when I was like, yep, we've been here. We've been telling you this was coming. But the the Dev and Jaina ship has set sail. Um, I 
I texted Michelle earlier today when I was watching this episode, and I think all I sent you was like four messages in all caps about, oh my God, our ship is rising. It's really happening. I'm, I just, I can't, I kind of can't believe it. Yeah. I, there was a part of me that wasn't really sure that they were going there or not because it was kind of hard to read. In the beginning, it felt more of like a mentor thing or like a mother son thing. And so I was like, oh, I would kind of like, you know, we had talked about it and been like, oh, this, I, I could kind of maybe see this happening, but I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing. So when they kissed, I was like, yes, oh my God, this is amazing. I love it. I may have had to rewind it. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I would also just like to point out that we called this back in the third episode of the season. We have been here. Get on our level. The end. Just We're just super smart. We see things coming. <laughs> Their amazing chemistry cannot be denied. Oh, my God. So good. So good. So part of me is like, wow, how are they going to explain that to Lyda? Mm, yeah. <laughs> that might oh, be an awkward dinner I, conversation. I guess technically Dev only hooked up with the clone. Right? That's true. That's true. I mean, that I don't was, know. That was a, a funny sort of awkward situation when he was like, yeah, so me and your clone. A thing. It's kind of a thing. Hope it doesn't weird you out. <laughs> I decide if that makes it better or worse that he, I mean, I guess it's better that he got with the clone and not OG Slida and also her mom. I think it's technically on paper better, but also who weird. It's, you know, uh, it's just, uh, very soapy. I'm sort of used to these things. <laughs> it, it is. This is definitely one of those, like someone has a surprise twin and the, the boyfriend doesn't notice right doesn't notice that that it's not actually yeah <laughs> i keep trying to like find up versions of my in my brain of like how drew is not actually seg's child so like whenever those things get brought up or that stuff happens i'm always like wait what if like, he's really deaf. Like, I don't know why, for some reason, I don't still necessarily buy that. Even though I know that their blood opened the thing. I just, for some reason, it just doesn't, I don't know why. It, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. For some reason, I still feel like at some point there's going to be, like, a twist involved in that. Even though there's probably not. I just... It's it's just always been sort of an odd choice to me to make Druzad Jorel's like half brother. I mean, I kind of get that from, from again from like a soapy perspective, like that that does kind of make their relationship and everything that happens after interesting in a whole new way. So right. I'm, I'm not surprised that 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 happened. Yeah, but I'm excited to see where that relationship goes next season. Like, uh, I mean, if I can't if I can't have other things I want, I get this, and that's good. Yeah, I guess 
I'm trying to think what else there is. I did definitely feel like this, this episode, like I remember sitting there watching it and thinking like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that they have to do. And we only have like, I, this, this one I think felt the most rushed to me or the most, like the most stuff happened in it. And it just sort of like, I don't know, it was kind of jammed a little together. Like they had to, they had the most ground to cover kind of. Yeah. Cause like, even like, I, I felt like the, the final scene, like when they're drunk and everything, like that even felt a little out of place to me with like everything that happened in the rest of the episode. And like you said, I think I'm sure a lot of that has to do with like just the amount of, hum- you know, like humor or lines that they tried to play for humor with Lobo just really felt like it didn't fit like the tone of everything else that happened in that episode. Yeah, I think part of it is that Lobo does not fit in the world of Krypton so much. I think part of the reason that all the stuff with with Lobo and Seg and Adam worked so well earlier this season was they were in a completely different place. Right. They were in a completely different like segment of the story. So it was okay if it was a little like differently paced and crass and and had a different feeling because it was it was a different place. Yeah, yeah, it was markedly different. And this is inserting that that sort of same feel into a place that doesn't that where it doesn't necessarily slot in so easily. I I have a request for season three. I think we're going to do like a whole episode on what we would like to see in season three. Number one, because we owe you guys some episodes. And number two, we're recording this and it's crazy late. So I don't think yeah. we have, like get into all of our thoughts about season three. <laughs> but um. I I would can we work on the lighting? Like does everything have to be so darn dark? Like I had to rewind multiple scenes to figure out what was happening. It felt like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, maybe now that we're not in the mind, yeah, it'll get better, but also some of this was just ridiculously pointlessly dark. Uh, there's a part of me that feels like, because it's been like that since season one, where like a lot of candor is very dark. A part of me thinks that that has, it's like a budgetary thing that because they don't necessarily have the budget to kind of make it extravagant looking. If they just make it dark, you won't notice a lot. I do feel like they, they have really like blown out the budget this year on, on various CGI things. Like Doomsday looks great. There's been a lot of great sequences, like. I get that they had better things to spend their money on, but like go outside, like have them be outside, put the red filter over the natural light. I'm good. It's true. I mean, they also film in Ireland, which is like kind of raining all the time. So I I knew that there's a lot of like, it's, it's not that it's raining all the time, but there's definitely like a lot of like overcast and, it's it's not necessarily it's not always like bright and sunny. Uh, that's like a little bit more of a rarity, especially I think the time of year that they film, um, is a little bit more like because they film. Pretty sure they film in like January, February. So the like landscape outside is not necessarily it's winter time it's not a yeah it's not like rolling grass fields and you know stuff like that there's going to be a lot of like bad weather and like you can't really count on 
you know, oh, you know, it's going to be bright every. It's not like filming in California where it's like, oh, it like barely rains. So if we set an outside shoot, we're probably not going to lose it. I think like the per the the percentage of like precipitation, I don't know it that well, but I'm sure it's way higher. So it's like you can schedule an outdoor shoot, but then like you can't do it. That's like a lot of money lost, you know, because you've got to move it or whatever. So I would venture to guess that that sort of restriction is kind of why it it's like that. Though I don't disagree. Hopefully they'll get some more money next season because a lot of the stuff sometimes I'm like, oh, it's very dark. What is going on here? So dark. <laughs> but I really just... Middle-aged lady with, like, <laughs> encroaching vision problems. But, like, come on, guys. Throw me a bone here. I really just need that season three renewal. Yeah. Hey. Sci-fi, if you can get on that, it's very like anxiety-inducing to have to watch a season finale of a show without having a a, a renewal for another season because you're just like, oh my god, is this it? Is this all I'm ever gonna watch? And am I being left on a cliffhanger? And that's like never, never okay. <laughs> no, I was really hoping that they would do it either right after or maybe even right before the show aired tonight, but I, yeah, I mean, we got season two's announcement before we had to watch the finale for season one. So I'm just saying, I do feel like, like everybody sort of who's been connected to the show is at least on Twitter does seem hopeful. But then again, I'm like, would they, would they not be like, would they, would they tweet as if they were not? Right. I suppose. Right. Yeah, I think we, I mean, I guess, did we talk about everything? I think so. I think we did. Did that pretty good. I feel like we have to, we have to save all of our, like, season, real, like, hardcore season three thoughts for a, another episode to make up. Yeah, them. we're definitely going to get it together and find some time to record. Like I said, guys, send us some more emails so we can do, like, a whole mailbag episode. Send us your emails and thoughts about, you know, the season finale and things you'd like to see for season three. Um, this way we can sort of do that and read them and we can talk about what we'd like to see in season three. Um, I just would like to see a season three. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really that's, it's, a, it's a low bar of things that I need at the moment. Quest are few other than that season three exists. Yes. Um, and that we get to enjoy all of these people again. I have to also sort of give, I don't know if any of them listen to it, um, listen to us, but I, I have to say like, Every single person who works on this show is so delightful. Like, they're such a fan of what they're doing. They're so wonderful about promoting it and being on social media and tweeting along with us. And, like, everybody. And I'm not just talking about the actors. Like, I'm talking about, like, the crew and the writers and the producers and just, like, the the special effects people are, like, on Twitter, like, tweeting with us about the show. Like, it's just great. Like, and you're all so nice. And you, like, even the whoever runs the actual Krypton account for sci-fi, like, always interacting with everybody. And I think that that, that to me is always really nice because it makes it, like, feel like a community. You know, you have a fandom and your fandom can kind of come together on their own. But when you're a part of it, it makes it all the more better. That's why, you know, anybody who's, like, a Supernatural fan part of the allure of that is that Jensen and Jared and everybody that works on that show 
is also part of the fandom. Like they're part of the, you know, we call it the SPN family. They're all, it, it's one whole thing. It's not just the fans. And I feel like the crypt, the Krypton, Krypton people have that sort of as well, because just the interaction and the engagement and um, everyone. Yeah. Is, I love how complimentary everyone is of each other too. Like yes. they really love working with everyone involved with the show. And it's so nice to just sort of watch from a distance. Yeah. And I mean, even in like, even in the off season when they're not recording together, like, um, Aaron Pierre, I think I just, I think that's his name who plays dev was in like a play last year. And like, everybody went to it and like everybody tweeted about it and was like, Oh my God, you've got to go see it. He was so amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Like those kind of things, you know, like, it's just really nice to see, like, obviously you actually like each other outside of have, being stuck on a set together. Um, and I think that that's something that you that comes across on screen. Um, I think you can always sort of tell the people who like really like each other in real life on screen, even though they, you know, like I feel like there's just like a difference, like a warmth, and it's nice. And it's one of the one of the things that makes me a huge fan of the show. I know. I think you can also always tell when people are making something because they love it and not because it's just a job. Yeah. For the, the, you know, getting paid and the eating part is nice, but everybody involved in the show does really seem to be a genuine fan of the characters they play, the story they're telling, the people they're telling it for, the legacy that they're inserting themselves into. Like, it's just, it's so, these are, I'm, I'm going to be, if, if for some reason, I don't even want to say this, I don't want to like manifest it into the universe, but if for some reason the show does not continue, I am going to be so sad for all the story that we didn't see, but I'm going to be the most sad if all of these people are not still together working on something because it seems to be just so right for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I think that might be it for us. That- Sorry, guys. It is... It is um, it is 1 a.m. here as we are wrapping this up and I am drooling on myself practically like in in a tired way, not like of I'm having ice cream or something. Wait, I don't know why I even just went with ice cream. <laughs> yeah, uh, my eyes are like closing as we're sitting here recording. Um, but yes, as Lacey said, we are going to try to be really diligent about getting a couple more episodes to you before we like take a little break. Um, and in the interim of season two and season three i promise we will also try to record i know we didn't really get to do that last year but we're gonna try to we're gonna try our best to do that for you this this time people that's our goal yes (laughs) and maybe we can get some guests along the way like it would you know we can uh reach out to some people and see if we can get some people on to talk about the show um i definitely want i will try to get my friend russ to come on uh, he's usually down for these but, things. Yeah. We, and we talked a little bit earlier this year, but it didn't work out for timing reasons. Uh, we are also hoping to to chat with our, our sister podcast, Supergirl Radio, and all of their sort of super person, super family. House of L, nerdery. Yes. I'm also holding out hope that some member or members of Krypton will end up in the crisis of an on infinite earths crossover. So if that happens, we'll absolutely record an episode about crisis. 
I mean, maybe we just will anyway, because it's sort of like keeping it in the family, but we'll see. I, I was going to say, we could do it anyway, because there will be multiple Supermans involved in the crisis. So, I mean, it's totally fine. Anyway, we are definitely rambling now. As, like, We're definitely rambling now, yes. <laughs> no, we have, to, we have to do this as soon as possible, because we've been so bad. Yes. Uh, so... On that note, I will remind you to please visit KryptonPodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more about Krypton, along with the latest episode of the podcast. You can follow the podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts about Krypton, you can email us, KryptonPodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. We are fixed on Apple Podcasts, so you can find us now. And while you're on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind hitting us up with some five-star reviews, it's a great way to support the podcast and let us know what you enjoy most about our show and about Krypton. We have an entire... It's back on iTunes, so that feels important to know. Yes. Um, (laughs) And you can follow the entire DCTV Podcast Network where there is a pod, there's, I think we're at like 21 podcasts at this point. I am not listing all of them. But basically, if there's a TV show that exists on the television or streaming that is about a DC TV character, we have a podcast for it. So <laughs> if you follow the network on social media, DC TV podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can see all of those things. Um, there's a mega feed you could subscribe to if you so listen to every one of our podcasts that would be really cool um and that'll be all for now and we'll talk to you guys soon bye bye